Hey confidants, it's Teresa, your host. Um, Thanks for listening to You Can Tell Me Anything. This episode does get a little heavy in its topic. I just want to give a content warning. Um, We do talk about abusers and abuse, specifically child abuse um, and sexual abuse. So if that is something that triggers you, um, I might you might want to skip this episode. Um, that being said, I thought that we had a beautiful conversation. I felt um, like this was a great episode. So um, yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. Before we get into it, I do have a couple quick announcements. I will be doing some live stand-up comedy, which is the thing I do when I'm not doing this podcast, among other things. Um, but here's my shows this week. So I'll be... Wednesday night, tonight, the night you're listening to this, if you listen to it the day it comes out, um, I'll be at Paradise City Records in Hollywood at 8 p.m. That's Wednesday, August 21st, and then right after that, I'll be at Lyric Hyperion at 10 p.m. Thursday, August 22nd, I'll be at Club TG for the Peacock Show. Fortune Feimster is also on that show. It's going to be really exciting, Um, so I hope to see you guys there. I'm excited. I'm a fan. Um, and then I will be traveling to Denver, Colorado at the end of September. On September 25th, I'm going to be doing a couple shows in town. So go to TeresaLeeComedy.com for those details. I hope to see you there. If I have any confidants in Denver, let me know. Uh, and then I'll be in Crestaboot, Colorado. I've been told that's how you say it. It's a mountain town. I'm <laughs> showing my film, I Think She Likes You, on September 26th and September 27th, um, which is also in Colorado. I'm really excited for that. And as always, you can call me personally. This is actually a phone number that directly goes to me. Um, I see that some of you call it and hang up. Just because you get the voicemail doesn't mean I won't listen. I listen to all your voicemails. It's 323-388-3521. You don't have to leave a confession. You could just call me to say hi. I love to hear your voices. So call me at 323-388-3521. It's the confession hotline. And if you do want a confession to be played, just let me know in the voicemail if it's okay to play it. Uh, You know, we don't have to use your name. You don't have to say your name. You can say, leave my name out. You can say, don't play this. I'm pretty flexible. And finally, if you guys have already subscribed to the PayPal Confidant newsletter, um, thank you so much. It's been so much fun sending these out. I love making personal newsletter every month. Um, but basically, if you guys don't know what it is, it's just a, co- a super confidant newsletter. Um, if you donate five dollars this month before the fifth of the month, you will be included on the next newsletter. And you could do it as often as you'd like, or as never as you'd like. You can go in and out, totally chill. It just kind of helps keep the lights on. Um, you know, podcasting equipment podcast time studio personnel you guys know nothing's free in this world so i really do appreciate it um and for donating five dollars and up you get a private newsletter that i send to you from my email with personal uh personal details i usually tell some stories give you guys some info send you some pictures that nobody else gets um nothing creepy just some fun stuff from the month um i usually record a video and uh yeah i don't know maybe i'll give you guys a sneak peek of my short film since i know it's not out online yet i don't know why i said that so aggressively um but anyways to do that it's paypal.me slash you can tell me anything so i hope you guys will um join the newsletter hope to see you all right this has been a very long intro but there was a lot of information to get out today so without further ado i am going to introduce um the episode i hope you guys enjoy this i had a great conversation with mary jane french enjoy you can This is Teresa. You're listening to You Can Tell Me Anything. This is a podcast where comedians confess something they've never told anyone before. I'm very excited for my guest today. She came all the way from Santa Clarita. Wow. Uh, well, she doesn't live in there, there, but she drove there from there, which is honestly in LA quite a feat. She has a show called Femmes of Rules, which I will be on on September 16th at Skipton Playhouse. It's a very fun um, comedy show where women perform and then men, no, men perform and women interrupt them. And, and then, and then women perform after that. And that voice you're hearing is Mary Jane French. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I can't 
Now I'm interrupting you. No, you're <laughs> doing great. I love that idea for a show. It's so funny. Thank you. I'm very excited about it. It is 100% based off of a pun. Uh-huh. The title came 100% first, and I wrote it down in my notebook and showed it to Sarah Mallory, <laughs> who's my co-producer, during like an open mic, because uh-huh. there was just like a very straight man on stage who <laughs> had some who was like, them's the rules, and I wrote down fem's the rules, and they like drew an arrow to it and like title of show and then like three days later I just started Facebook messaging him like okay but I've been thinking about this what if it was like and then we just like did a back and forth until we like had the format that we were planning on using for it so that's great sometimes the best ideas come from the like because you yeah once you have an idea you still have to be like how do I market this so if you start from the end where you're like well I would go watch a show name this (laughs) and then what is this show that's honestly a really smart way of doing it thank you yeah I feel really good about it I'm I'm excited to be it's gonna be like the first undertaking since getting to LA that's like, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the other things that I've done have been very like tried to do the lowest stakes version of something. Like yeah. the first show that I started running that I still do. So, you know, feel, but it's like, a, <laughs> it's a noontime show uh-huh. and it's like very much like intended for like, this is going to be loose. This is going to be fun. I just give people longer sets than usual. And it's just about being loose in the room and getting like letting people stretch their legs. Sure, like a work, a little bit of a work workout it, room. Yes, it is 100% a workout room, whereas this one is more like, it's in the evening, for starters. Yeah, this <laughs> one like, you're inviting Netflix, you're inviting <laughs> CAA, the, the industry stuff. is Trying to get there. an audience out. Just like, a little mixer before, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of good things, I like to start with a good confession. Just to um, mm-hmm. start on a positive note, is there anything good you'd like to confess? Um, I was thinking, uh, yeah, so... When I first moved to LA, I told myself mm-hmm. I was going to be celibate for three months, and okay. I was only able to make it a month and a half. <laughs> if we're going in the I humble feel like any, everyone I know who's ever been like, I'm going to be celibate, was just like, I was having too much. Like, <laughs> it's, all, it's like a low key a brag if to say. If there's one thing I yeah. want people to take away from it's, this podcast is that I'm a fuck machine. It's straight yeah. up a brag. Because, I mean, I know that's not what you meant, but it's funny because everybody I, I like just anecdotally mm-hmm. have known that has been yeah. like, I need to be celibate. I'm like, yes, but you. Is because you have no pro like it's yeah. like nobody who's like not fucking is like I need to be celibate. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But it, it it was definitely rooted in like it was like focusing me- on yourself and yeah, or or even like it was, well, it was specifically focusing on my relationship to sex. Okay, like I it wasn't that I like was having too much of it. It was that I was I just realized that whenever I was having it, mm. I like. I, I was just like, my, I think subconsciously or like the, maybe the way that I became sexually active, like uh-huh. influenced my relationship to it where like, like I, I first became sexually active when I was like, I was actually like active when I was like 21 ish uh-huh. and it was very uh, rooted, like it was very early on in my transition mm-hmm. and I realized that like in retrospect, a lot of those early experiences were like... I, I was like coping with dysphoria, like gender dysphoria mm. in a lot of ways. And so like, I think that that shaped a lot of my initial relationship to sex. I'm like, Oh, this is like a way that I deal with this thing. And so like, mm-hmm. I was trying to, like, I noticed myself being more like trying to make sex go a particular way uh-huh. or like have myself play a particular role. And so like being celibate was more like trying to like make sure that when I went back to it, I could be more like, you know, just reading the room of what, you know, everyone's in. Reading the room is, that's so funny, it's such a comedian term to to use about sex. But I know, yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, You don't always have to bottom, Mary Jane. (laughs) Sometimes, yeah, you know, whatever. I don't need to get too graphic about my sex life. but um, Just being, like, intentional and knowing what you want out of it instead of, like, uh, Exactly. Or, Or just realizing, like, I think that, like, I mean, at this point, I don't even identify as, like, super, like, like high femme or anything. I'm definitely uh-huh. more of a rough and tumble femme. But like, <laughs> I think that like somewhere along or early on in transition, I got in my head where I, like, I was like, if I can be more submissive, that's like validating my gender. Mm. And like, now I'm like, that's not necessary. <laughs> like, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. But that sounds like it's like a really mature thing to be able to, uh, anytime so. you can like self reflect and be like, Oh, I want, to try this new thing and then mm-hmm. you come out on the other side like how do you feel now I feel much better I mean like the three month goal was really an arbitrary <laughs> like yeah that seems like a good enough a good amount of time or whatever yeah and also also part of it was just that I was moving to a new city so that was sure. just 
Like I remember when I was living in Richmond, like I knew a bunch of people who like, which is where we met. Yeah, that is where mm-hmm. we, met. we met in Boston initially, but then oh, like yes, a week later right you came through yes, Richmond. That's yeah, right. I remember that. And uh, and then yes, yeah, so, like I, I remember like I knew a bunch of people who would like move to Richmond, uh-huh. immediately start dating someone, and then when that relationship eventually ended, they would be like, oh no, I have no friends. Oh yeah, all that's of my true. Friends you connected all. Friends. Yeah, and it's so easy to like fall into that trap because Mm -hmm. I mean who doesn't want it it's nice you meet someone new and you're dating someone and it's it's, you're being loved and of course they have a network and yeah and you're getting plugged into that because they want to introduce you like like, to their people and it's just so easy to be like well these are my friends now I've got tons of friends and then you just like you know don't empty the dishwasher well plus they might actually be people especially in comedy people that um that you would be friends with anyways but then it's always through this person you're dating so mm-hmm. i think that's su- super smart i mean i kind of fell into that a little bit when i first started doing stand-up mm-hmm. and so it did take me a little bit of time to feel like confident on my own and now and then this was in new york so moving to la was a huge help for me because i came out here mm-hmm. like single and then like have you know i've dated in la but it was only after i became like i'm i was thought of as an mm-hmm. individual comedian does gotcha, that make gotcha. sense yeah absolutely so so your ex was a comic Yes, okay. but, and also I had date, started dating him when he was just, or when I was just starting out, but he was a little bit more established. So a gotcha, lot of the gotcha. people... So you met a lot of people through him, and you were yeah. known as, like, his girlfriend, I'm guessing. I would say, yeah-ish. Like, I didn't ever okay. feel like it was, like, a handicap, but it definitely okay. was a thing That's where good. I... The people who I thought were cool already also knew him, and so that it helped to like speed up friendships, for mm-hmm. sure, that I was, like, plugged into the social group. But I also think there are people that I thought were cool that I would have made friends with anyways. Yeah. So absolutely. it's, I think what you said, because really, you're cool. <laughs> well, that's very nice. But I mean, but it'd be because more because comedy is such a small mm. world. So yeah. it's like, it only takes so long to, for you to meet everyone mm-hmm. in your scene. Um, but that's why I totally relate to what you're saying about when you first move somewhere, it mm-hmm. is good to give yourself a buffer because then yeah. you're like, even if you have a crush, it's still nice to be like, and now I will get to know everybody before I. Yep. Or even like, uh, like there was a point, uh, I, I I got free tickets to go see uh, one of my favorite musicians mm-hmm. because uh, her manager was one of my regulars at the first job that I got in oh, LA, awesome. which is the best reward I've ever received for remembering that <laughs> someone likes unsweetened almond milk. But, um, <laughs> and that's such a cool LA story to be like, you right? know, when people imagine you're going to move to LA and you're going to get like meet mm-hmm. celebrities and you're like, yeah, no, I was getting free tickets from. It's a, yeah, <laughs> it, it's a great middle ground because it's very much uh-huh. like. I met this person by me being a barista, <laughs> um, but also like, yeah, I got free tickets and like, I could never have afforded to go to the show uh-huh. without that being the case. The tickets were like 130 oh, bucks damn. or something, um, which I didn't really, I, I don't know. This is a fancy, fancy, c- fancy show. Yeah. Um, but so like, there was a part of me that like, I had just, that was like very early on in one of my relationship in like the first relationship I, I got in LA. Uh-huh. And I was, there was a part of me that was like, Oh, I should totally bring my like new partner. And, uh, I, but I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm bringing one of my friends because uh-huh. I really need to like, as much as I really like want to, so like, I, you know, I adore my new sweetie. I yeah. still gotta like, I, I want to yeah. like, you know, maintain friendships well that's really healthy i mean it sounds hope. like because especially in comedy there's it's so easy to fall into like codependent patterns yeah and, but that well, sounds like the opposite where you're very aware of like mm-hmm. um expectations and boundaries which is cool a big part of it is that uh when i first became like sexually active when i was mm-hmm. like 21 i was like that was when i first was like i think i should be non-monogamous because i <laughs> was 21 um, sure. and also because i i was my the logic that I used behind it was like, okay, I'm like very early on in this transition and uh-huh. I'm still I'm spending a lot of time thinking about and making decisions about like how I perceive myself and how I mm-hmm. want to be perceived and all this stuff. And I really don't want to put any of that through the lens of like, but what will this person find attractive? Yeah, true. And so I was like, I think I'm ready to like explore being like you know more sexual and sexually active but i don't think i am in an emotional place to be anyone's person which naturally so i'm going to be non-monogamous which means uh two months later i fell into a very codependent relationship (laughs) and so it's always when you let your because i feel like it's uh people say that when you're not looking which is like bullshit but i do think what it comes from is when you're like not focused on something that's when you're not expecting it Mm -hmm. and then it just creeps in you're like well now i love this person and i thought i didn't want to love anyone or whatever exactly and it was the sort of thing where like the relationship 
relationship was only like five months long, but it was like over oh, half intense. of those nights we like slept in the same bed and we both had twin beds. Oh, and man. Like, <laughs> it was a lot. Um, and like, I mean, it was a good like learning curve and definitely sparked a lot of me being like, I need to self-reflect about what my attachment <laughs> style is and like how I can be like as loving and affectionate as I like know that I am without like becoming like clung to a person. <laughs> like, I love that the language of like talking about relationships and love has like evolved to like, so, like attachment styles, all this like very, mm. very mainstream. I think podcasts probably have a, bit, a lot to do with it. Definitely. But I remember in college when I was going to school, like it was just so I like how it is now, like just to be clear, but I, it's so funny to look back and be like, wow, I wish I had those tools. Cause yeah. the way we talked about, um, dating just be like, Oh, she's clingy. Like the yeah. kind of words Very we use, needy. like she's yeah. crazy or like, mm. you know, like, uh, Oh, like, like just, it just never came from like, uh, um, trying to understand why someone's the way they are. It was Absolutely. always just like the way this person is texting me makes me feel uncomfortable gross and then mm. that's it and that's the yeah. end of the conversation let me just write them off forever <laughs> yeah. yeah and yeah completely disregard any side of this yeah. that they might have right and yeah. instead of being like why did this happen um but speaking of we talk a lot about therapy on this podcast because it okay. is kind of inspired uh from just me going to therapy mm. uh, and liking to talk about things do you go to therapy i do go to therapy i finally i found uh i went how long i, I think like nine Nine, nine or 10 months in LA without having any therapy because uh -huh. I, I had a counselor who I really loved back uh -huh. in Richmond who was great. Um, I, I initially started seeing her when I started uh, transitioning and it was like about gender stuff. Mm -hmm. But then I continued seeing her and it turned out that she like is someone who uh, would like speak on panels about polyamory and oh, kink cool. things. I'm like, Oh, you're perfect for me. You're the <laughs> perfect person. Like I don't have to explain shit to you. I can just like bring other stuff up and, and you, and you know where I'm at and we can talk about the nitty gritty. Um, but then when I moved, uh, you know, 3000 miles away from home for the first uh -huh. time, uh, like, just trying to make sure I don't get bounced back to Virginia, like uh -huh. just trying to get as settled like as much as I can. And so like therapy wasn't super high on my sure. priority list. Um, and so a couple months ago I started seeing a new therapist who I like a lot. Oh nice. Who, that's so great. Yeah. And um, yeah, and that's good. And I, I li I'm on like a California health insurance now where I kind of just like w went to covered California and like clo sure. closed my eyes <laughs> and like, put my finger down on the screen. I was like that one. Sure. <laughs> I, yeah, I can afford that. That's not, that's, and luckily I went, I got one that, um, is really good for mental health. Oh, care. that's great. Like it's like, um, unlimited appointments. As long as it's someone in network, it's just like a $15 oh, wow. copay. Amazing. And so that's really I, good. When yeah. I realized it's like, okay, I need to find a therapist now. I just like kind of went, therapist shopping like uh -huh. it's like, yeah, like it's dating a, around tinder swiping yeah exactly <laughs> i mean i went with the second one that I went <laughs> well it is really hard to i mean i've heard that a lot it's hard to find a new therapist when you're moving like i mm -hmm. just finally got primary care i mean like i've gone to doctors but like just being set up with a primary care doctor there i'm like okay i like you enough mm -hmm. and i've been here for four years so yeah. it just takes so long yeah. um but one yeah. thing that's also nice is that one of the things that attracts me about this therapist is that she is willing to do tele sessions. Oh, that's great. So like there have already been a couple instances where I've been like, you know, I went to a festival and uh -huh. I was like, well, <laughs> I'm a ridiculous human being and I'm driving to Portland. So I'm going to be driving the entire day this day. So just uh -huh. call me whenever you're free this day and we'll do a quick sesh. <laughs> like, I love that. I was trying to convince my old therapist to like do things as calls and she would always be like, no, we'll just, cause I sometimes be like, I'm running late. Can we do this as a call? And she'd be like, no, we'll just start late. I'm like, why? It's so much easier. Yeah. There, there was literally, um, <laughs> There was one day where I just like my my schedule was so busy I had really lost track of my calendar, <laughs> and I got a call from her and she and like normally she she like runs late to our appointments a oh, decent really? amount but like I got a call from her because I had I didn't show up and she and I was just like sorry I actually just woke up and I totally <laughs> forgot that this appointment existed and she's like cool do you want to do it as a call and I was like yeah that sounds good. That's <laughs> like, um, I don't know when people are late on me, but they're like someone who I'm paying. I, well, unless it's, well, hold on. I need to be more specific. I guess I'm just thinking about therapists, but I actually mm. kind of like relish it because I'm like, it's your fault yeah. and you owe me. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. I, maybe I'm a sociopath. My therapist is unprofessional in all the ways.
ways that make me more comfortable. Yeah, you're like um, you're human, but also yeah. like you're not gonna charge me for you being late. Yeah, so like absolutely. This, I can only it's like getting free candy from the vending machine. Mm-hmm. Like and it also, can only help me. I don't have to eat it, but if I wanted <laughs> to, it's mine. <laughs> well, and also just like um, I. I didn't realize this, but I definitely have like a fear of like healthcare professionals mm. in a lot of areas. And I think it just comes from paranoia yeah. and like, you know, being trans doesn't help because uh-huh. I have so many um, friends and like loved ones with horror stories of yeah. stuff. And so like, I really like that my therapist is like kind of casual and like <laughs> not going to try to more. slap me with a diagnosis because like trans people historically like... You know, if you get diagnosed with certain things and people uh-huh. try to make it about the fact that you're trans and mm. try to like, like there's some horror stories of people being like, well, you were depressed and then you transitioned and now you still have depression. So clearly transition wasn't the solution. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I have depression. It's almost like depression is a totally separate from that. That's uh-huh. crazy. Um, that, that just sounds like there's a lot of bad healthcare professionals out there. And yes. unfortunately and so really it's hard like, to decipher between. Yes. Well, and so having it, yeah. someone who's cash is nice. That's good. I mean, I feel like LA, there's probably a lot of people who mm-hmm. uh, hopefully are, are, um, just more, not, I don't want to say educated. All doctors go through education, but there's mm-hmm. a certain level of experience education. Well, I think that people don't always have. Yes. And well, my therapist, my new therapist even isn't like particularly experienced with trans people or anything, mm-hmm. but like. You know, if I say a word that she doesn't know, I explain it. And she uh-huh. never, um, she's very, her ego isn't root. Like she doesn't, yeah. she doesn't feel the need to prove to me that she knows anything. <laughs> so like I can just explain something and then we move on. And then we talk about the emotional, emotional element of it. Um, the biggest thing that I've had to be like, okay, here's the thing I need you to understand. It wasn't even about trans stuff. It was about polyamory. Cause I thought you were going to say it was about comedy. You're like, um, I was really mad I didn't get booked on this show and you need to understand why. No. Um, You're like, so-and-so started with me. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think I... <laughs> Explaining to therapists anything about comedy <laughs> to me is so because I've done that and I and then I'm like in my mind I'm like I am wasting my money talk, yeah complaining well, about why I'm mad I didn't get on this show I, I've realized I haven't I I don't really talk about comedy much in therapy but I I've I've like mentioned it or I I've like sent my therapist a clip. <laughs> Oh really? Have you really? Oh I my have. god! Well, because I'm just like, what yeah, did your therapist say? She liked it. She watched like the first like it was like a long clip, but she watched like the first like <laughs> few minutes of it in front of me. You're like, can you give me some notes? No, <laughs> um, no. She was just like, yeah, you're, you're that was good. And I was like, thank <laughs> you. I I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> didn't expect you to watch it during like while b- you were there billing time, but sure. Wow. Um, I guess That's that makes so sense. That's so funny. Um, but uh. Yeah, it was a it was a good good time. Well, good. It sounds like um, it, it sounds like you really like your therapist, and it's working out, which is really great. She she doesn't let me get too far off track. I'm a I'm a rambler who will uh-huh. like do a lot of tangents, and when I go off on a tangent for too long, she'll be like, "But you did say you wanted to work on this," and I'm like. Thank you. <laughs> um, I need that. I need just it's like a like um, bumpers in bowling. Mm-hmm. I need that for like conversations. I need yeah. someone to just be like, no, no, Teresa. Yeah. Well, get, well say this because <laughs> I, I have such a a dissonance between my upper brain and my lower brain. Yeah. Because like I know that I want to be in therapy and get more in touch with my emotions. Blah, uh-huh. blah, blah. But I also know that I just don't want to fucking cry in front of anyone. <laughs> like mm, yeah, I like hard. I and so my brain will like try to avoid. Sure. A lot of tougher things, yeah. Uh, because I, because I'm avoidant of that, and like it's not a conscious thing I do, but it's definitely a thing I'm doing. I feel that, yeah. It's like how I certain times of usually late at night I'll be like, I feel like it's a good idea to share poetry I've written on the internet, <laughs> and then uh, I usually don't do it, which is good because I've convinced. But now I, I'm now like because I've joked about it so much, I'm like don't be that person. But then I will like later when I'm like out of that phase, I'll be like, Oh, I'm so glad I didn't. But then I'm like, there was a true moment when it's like, people need to hear mm-hmm. how I feel. It's not really that I think the poetry is good. It's just, I think it, it's, it's like a way of sharing how I feel that mm-hmm. I like, don't feel like I get to in, um, comedy sometimes, mm-hmm. but then I always am like, thank God I didn't do that. And that mm-hmm. is my dichotomy where I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Like, I have trouble sharing anything on the internet. Yeah. Well, like there's times like talking about crying, like when I'm, I mostly cry alone, but mm. I'll cry a lot. And when I'm crying, <laughs> I think, you know, we all live in LA. It's okay to cry a lot, but, um, yeah. Got what what drought? Time. There's no drought here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need all the fluids coming as we yeah, can. Yeah. Just collect our tears. Um, uh, no, but I'll cry. And then sometimes when I'm like really crying, I'm like, yeah, like if someone 
people who knew me saw this, they would see the real me. But then I'm always like, thank God they don't <laughs> see this. I don't want to cry in front of anyone. I this, want, isn't the, this isn't my brand. I, yeah, this I want them to the think I'm strong I'm and yeah. cold and <laughs> feelingless. <laughs> um, well, but talking about seeing a part of you that mm. you don't always share, Mary Jane, is there something you would like to tell me? Yes. Uh, it's a thing that I, I, I'm generally very, I will just spew everything, but this is a thing that I've kept bottled up. Uh, no, I, um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just drop it and explain later. I yeah, guess I'm, a, I'm the preface queen is the problem. When, and, pe- yeah, and everyone in time. my life will just be like, spit it out. I know, I know what you're doing. Uh, you're setting this up. But you we, don't can, just, we could watch the Godfather first if you'd like. <laughs> this po- we and could I'll just, just talk <laughs> over it. Just give it setting this up. It's like, why is no, this podcast four I, hours long? This, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, about two years ago now, I, I'm going to say accidentally, mm-hmm. uh, as an adult, okay. uh, slept with someone who turned out to be a pedophile. Oh my God. Um, and that's a thing that I have basically in recent time, like when, when you asked me to do this, I was like, okay, well, that's my confession. Uh, that was like the first thing that came to mind. I was like, I don't even know if I want to share that. But then I, I, I was like, well, what other thing can I, do I have? And like, my, I just had a mental block. I'm like, uh-huh. I think I, I think my brain really wants to, cause also I think about it and like, I haven't shared it with no one, Sure. but I never give anyone all the details. And like in recent times I have blurred, like it's, mm, it's like it come out. out in conversation when it's inappropriate. And uh-huh. I'm like, Oh, I think, I've shoved this down too long. You've like tested the waters a little bit. Yeah. And like, it's definitely like a heavy, a, a, a bomb to drop. Yeah. And because uh, people are people don't know what to do with that. Well, um, I think there's a lot. I mean, just the word pedophile makes people freeze up. I think. Yeah. I mean, I felt and then a vis- they're like, oh, you were associated with. <laughs> yeah. Um, I felt a visible like um, a noticeable tensing, like an unwilling mm. subconscious one. When yeah. you said the word, it was just like, ooh, mm. like, you know, well, it, one of the things that-, that I'm excited about the freeingness of it, because I I'm very uh, adverse to having any like. Like I'm, I've always been bad at being like closeted. Not that this is a closet thing, but like I, I've always been bad at <laughs> and keeping track. I liked it. No, that, <laughs> yeah, was, that, that was your confession. I mean, at the time. Um, <laughs> no, sure, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, before I knew, before I found out, uh, basically the way that we all found. So it was a Richmond comic. Okay. Um, oh boy. And so I already was keeping it a secret from the Richmond comedy scene before yeah. I knew that he was a predator Oh no! because I just was like, I don't want anyone to know that I am like, basically like the original comedy scene is so small. And basically whenever people sleep together, whenever it ends, Uh like if people, if people have a relationship, but this wasn't a relationship, we were just, we're sleeping together. Um, but like, when it ends, one of them stops doing comedy because no, <laughs> it's wow. just such a small scene. And so <sighs> I was like, I don't want anyone. And also I'm like, if, if one of us is going to get shit for this, it's going to be me. Um, I mean, I'm sure there would probably be some transphobic jokes his way, but um, still just like, uh, it, 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 it was a thing I was already trying to keep secret. And uh-huh. then when the way that everyone found out was like a news article about oh, his arrest. No. And so, so you were he, he still was just hanging go- out at that point? Well, I mean, literally I had seen him. he had walked me to my car a couple nights before and I was on a walk oh, with another gosh. with a comic friend and she pulled it and she like <gasps> saw the article and I was like, fuck. And so I, I like there's like a couple Richmond comics who I let know who I was like very close with. Yeah. But like who well, were like close friends and uh but other than that I was like I can't have Richmond comics know this because yeah. I just like well, you carry it with you because yeah. then you're, I mean, there's so many layers. It's like, you yeah. didn't even want people to know you were sleeping together. And then on yeah. top of that, and then on top of that, you find out details that make you want to crawl out of your yeah. skin. Cause oh, you're like, so I sorry. was part of a sex life that also included that. Oh no. Um, well, I mean, there's no way you could have known, but yeah, no, but, yeah absolutely. that's definitely I a mean, lot. His, his own wife didn't, I want to be clear. His wife knew about me, uh-huh. but his wife didn't know about that. The children. Yeah. Wow. Um, it was a, it was a, our portion of it was an ethically <laughs> non-monogamous thing, uh, but the other, th- yeah, it, um, that's um, yeah, that is it, very heavy, and I do totally relate to that, like needing to get it out because mm-hmm. it's sort of like it's it's a sensitive topic, yeah. especially now, like with all the news, it definitely feels like something where it, so you, you're not sure. It's almost like it's like I wish 
I didn't have to carry this, but if I do, yeah. what's the best way well, to handle it's it? It's also and a weird position because, like, I'm not a victim in this situation. Oh, no. Like, you I, were a consenting adult. I was adult. an adult yeah. who trusted him and felt safe with him yeah. and not and nothing happened to me. But then I just didn't ha- like, it's one of those things where there was like talk amongst the women in the mm. scene. We're like, okay, we can now identify some grooming habits that he had. Oh boy. <laughs> um, and like, you know, definitely someone who is good at make like, cause my, my attitude towards like, mm-hmm. cause he was like a straight cis man. And I, my attitude towards cis men at the time was already like, I have like I identify as pansexual, uh-huh. which you know, if anyone doesn't know, it's just you know, gender is not a factor. I am into whoever, but uh-huh. I kind of steered clear of cis men, except for pedophiles. Don't except for pedophiles, uh, they're not on the table. <laughs> the they're steri- in the cell. <laughs> yeah, um, get them in the cell. Well, the steering clear of cis men thing, I I um, feel like I I well I haven't practiced, but I definitely <laughs> more and more like feel like that uh, moving forward that's super i don't know it's hard because i don't want to like discriminate against this men you know they've had enough <laughs> um, <laughs> they've been through so much mary jane no but i've like i'm bisexual but for most of my life before i came out i just dated men and a lot yeah. of very like heteronormative men it was mm-hmm. like in a sorority and all that and um more and more i just feel like not that attracted to them. I'm not attracted to a lot of the personality traits that come with that yes. lived experience. Not the person. I tr- still try to not to discriminate, but it's it's hard when it's like so there's many of them a, are. This, there's such yeah. a disconnect. When I talk yes. to cis men, I can have a lot of good friendships with them, but even within the context of that friendship, I'm like, I know that you just like vastly don't understand a lot of elements yeah. of my day-to-day existence. Yeah. And that's fine, but it's not someone that I want to be that intimate with. And like, mm-hmm. ultimately the thing that led me to go like, oh, I don't really... um think i'm that interested in cis men like like it's not it's nothing against those bodies it's, <laughs> it, it it is just like i my my interactions with them are like i don't or like well, well so when i first got sexually active around yeah. 21 and also i do consider it like it, it was definitely a benefit for me to have it happen that late because i was able to be more thoughtful uh-huh. and like not that like you, you know, had had relationships but, with but, other people that you mm-hmm. dated more seriously so it wasn't like like if it had been like your first boyfriend or I mean, I guess he wasn't your boyfriend, but it had been an early yeah. experience. You would have like put a lot more weight on this. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it still was like fairly early comparatively because I was like 22 and I became sexually active when I was 21. Okay. But like when I first became sexually active, I went on like a fuck about, <laughs> uh, which is a term that I use a interpersonally that I realized <laughs> that I'm lifting from. Uh, la- uh, lady to lady is where I picked it up. Oh from. yes, um, I love them. But I uh, and I've been using it interpersonally since hearing yes. it there. But I I now said it on a recording that's going out, so I need to give uh, a, a proper credit. It's just a fuckation. Like it's just yeah. kind of like it's not like I'm gonna. Well, it was just like, do this I, much I, I was all just the like time, on but... apps and I was very like transparent yeah. and clear. I'm like, okay, let's make this happen. And I was fucking cis dudes at the time, not exclusively, mm. but they were a chunk of it. And I, in retrospect, I realized I'm like, oh, I didn't have very good sex with cis men, and it was because I was not relaxed mm. during any of it. I was like on edge. I was scared yeah. that something might go wrong. Um, and I was stressed and tense uh-huh. and wasn't able to fully enjoy it. Yeah. Well, it's also one of those things where like one of my first thoughts mm-hmm. after while it was happening or when I was finding out about it, when, well, I, was yeah, first, how was your, when I was first what did you dealing first? with it, was like, well, when am I going to write about this? <sighs> like, <laughs> That's how like, you know you're a comedian. Yeah. Uh, well, because well, well, very, I keep, everything's about transition for me but um but like very early on like I started transitioning like a year or two into stand-up okay and a lot of my material then just became about coping and it was catharsis and all of that and I've moved a little away from that because I'm a happier person now I've Uh transitioned and I'm at a place that I'm happy with and so my material is more like celebratory and all that but I'm definitely well acquainted with like writing stand-up as a form of catharsis and so there's a part of me that's like that's the only way that I know how to process an emotion this big but when can I do that? Definitely. Uh-huh. Like it happened a year before I moved out of Richmond and I was like, it might happen when I move away. It mm-hmm. might happen five years from now when I have properly yeah. processed it. And like, there was definitely a period where I like had put it away for a while and then randomly yeah. I'd be like, Oh, I'm still being affected by this. Like I'm still feeling a lot yeah, of this. I mean, and it um, may never fully be a thing you put a lid on and it's in a, you know, like yeah, it's I, not a, it's not always going to be so clean and neat, but time does give you perspective for sure. That was yeah. my dog. I know you were like, what is that noise? 
He's making a weird looking noise. Um, but, but the fact that it's not like a, like I was joking that it's like, Oh, we comedians always think, but I don't think it's that it's because comedy is for you, what you do and it's how you deal with things that happen in your life. And so your first thought when something Mm. traumatic happens is going to be, how do I turn this into some, well, Well, how do I heal? And that's the thing that you've used in the past. It's the way that I know how to interact with my world because like I've been doing stand up since I was 18. My first year was my senior year of high school. Like I've been doing stand up longer than been transitioning, which means that, uh, when I started doing stand-up, I was still in the massive batch of my life where I was mm. dissociating almost all the time. Uh-huh. And so, like, I've technically been doing stand-up longer than I've been forming lasting memories. <laughs> like, it's, like, r- truly sure. a deeply embedded thing for me that I yeah. don't know how to picture my life without it. And 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 so, yeah, one of my first thoughts was, like, well, when, when am I going to be able to process this in front of strangers? <laughs> like, and that is almost, like... Um, it's not even about comedy. It's that you're trying to, you're trying to see ahead. Like it's almost like your brain's saying like, okay, I'm about to maybe feel some pain or go into something that mm-hmm. feels a little dark. So what your brain is doing is telling yourself it's going to be okay. Cause you're like, I'm now like having a premonition of the final, like the ending. Yeah. What, it, what do you call it? the ending is me on stage talking about it fully like adjusted and having processed this and sharing it with my audience. So you're almost skipping ahead to be like, I could picture that, which means everything that happens up to that mm-hmm. is still going to be okay. Even if it gets hard. Yes. I mean, absolutely. I feel that way about, I mean, I, yeah, actually I don't know if I've ever said this, but, um, when, uh, I lost my little brother a few years ago and mm. went right before it happened. I, I kind of, one of those things where like, as it, gets mm-hmm. to the end you kind of have an idea he was depressed but i had like mm-hmm. hoping it wouldn't go that way but i do i did have that thought and i remember being like what the fuck yeah what's wrong it's with a, me it's a disorienting yeah. thought to have and it makes you be like because you're like what no. gone too far um, but it, it it's coping it, it came from home. a place where i was like well if this doesn't work out and it didn't i'm like if this doesn't work out like i guess i'll have to find a way to talk about it because in my head i was like i'm not gonna quit stand up but it's also weird to not talk about it yeah but then I was like, what a fucked up thought to have. And now I kind of look back and I think it was just my brain's way of being like, okay, How it's about going? to get bad, but it's going to get okay yeah, later. It was, it was your brain bracing for yeah. a rough time and knowing that like, Hey, this is, this is how I cope. Yeah. This is how I heal from things. And like, um, I feel like a lot of people don't ever want to acknowledge that where they're just like, yeah. no, Fuck Hannah Gadsby. Uh, <laughs> um, like, uh, stand-up's just funny. And it's like, I mean, sure. And that's great. But, it like, is, but I need it for... I, I need it to be more than yeah. that. Like, you know what? This is the talking about, like, not to shit more on straight dudes, but, like, Hannah Gadsby's special is funny. Whatever. You can disagree yeah, with me. I but love it. To, I will defend it to the end it of the It is funny thing. and there's jokes. And, you know, for certain people, if it's not funny, that's fine. It's sub- mm-hmm. Humor can be subjective. But, but it's a luxury to be able to say comedy should only... Yes. I think it comes from this place of people, a lot of cis straight dudes, not all of them, but a lot of them haven't dealt with that much trauma in their lives. Mm. Um, And so their comedy is about what they know, which is probably lighter. And you get the pun comedy, the one-liners, which are fun. I'm delighted by those too. Yeah. But I feel like it's also, it's like a, this is a dramatic way of putting it, but it's a word that's coming to mind. It's like a death cry of mm. like, you know, like something like yells out really loud right before it dies. Um, <laughs> but well, I, I feel like it's people being scared of their own self. Like they're being like, yes. oh, people are valuing this, which means that they probably value what I bring to the table less. Yeah, that's like, no, no, a no, really... We, we'll always want escapism. Yeah, we like, always want to hear, is your fridge running jokes? Sure. Yeah, um, like <laughs> Dimitri Martin's not going out of business anytime yeah. soon. But like, I think it comes from a place of not being able to relate. Like, I could relate to someone... Well, I hear this a lot from writers uh, in writers' room. Like, um, like POC writers will mm-hmm. often be have to be like policing the room, you know. Mm-hmm. And it and it's because a lot of people who haven't been through um, trauma, not that white people haven't, but like, let's say in a traditional writers' room, people want to write a character like a Chinese character, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, we don't want to say the wrong thing, so they hire a Chinese writer. The white people feel like they can't relate because they're like, I haven't been through something like be, been a person of color in America. I so feel like that's a cop out. Though. It's a cop out. And what I'm like for me, I grew up watching a lot of white people on TV and yeah. I can relate to them. Even though I didn't have the same life, I can just be like, well, what was it like to be so rich that you weren't allowed to control your future? Yeah. Which is a storyline. Yeah. That's <laughs> absolutely a, a storyline. And I don't most relate. Disney. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, where you're like, my mom wants to go me, me to go to Harvard, but I just want to dance in the streets <laughs> with Channing Tatum. <laughs> 
And I can enjoy that storyline and I can relate to it even though I haven't lived it. But it yeah. feels different because I well, you guess... Can, you, can, you can take a day trip in that mm-hmm. movie. Like Yeah, so I think it comes from a place of like, if you haven't gone through a lot, it, it feels scary to I try to like, put it on, I think. But. I feel like so much of what um, white people do, and I say this as a white person, I feel like so much of those cop-out lines yeah. are just like a way of us to be like, I feel like this path leads to guilt. <laughs> like, and I just, <laughs> I just don't want to ever deal with that. <laughs> like, yeah, that's and, a, it's a feeling of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I mean, like I have a lot moments where I'm like, Oh, okay. I don't know this. Or, and then, and yeah. I think I, it's easier for me to ask versus someone who maybe felt like I was sheltered and I don't want to yeah. ask because I don't want to be wrong. I feel like I've come a- around on like the, I, I feel like I've come full circle in a lot of areas of it where I've become like, annoying in the other direction uh-huh. <laughs> where I um what do you mean uh just like, like a thing that I do that I'm definitely uh self-conscious about but I'm like but I'd rather be this brand of shitty than the other brand of shitty mm. I guess <laughs> but like if um I I I can do that thing and I a lot of my uh friends of color I hear complain mm-hmm. about this and I'm like I, ne- I need to do better but also like I, I I I stress out so much that I'm gonna be that host who fucks up someone's name <laughs> And so I will ask people mm. maybe more times than I absolutely need to. And I'm self-conscious that I'm like making them do this emotional labor to explain to <laughs> me. And I, and it, it, it's a whole thing. I think and that's I okay. Just, I, just, I just have anxiety. I think it's, it's intention though, because there's mm-hmm. a difference between someone who's trying to like get it right so, so mm-hmm. that you're, you get it right for their performance and for they have intro, a, yeah, yeah. versus someone who's like, ugh, I have to ask you what your name is. Can you have a normal name? Like there's a yeah. totally, you go feel mm-hmm. it. Um, okay, that's good. Yeah, so thank you I for think, reassuring me and doing. Um, that being mo- said, you've said my name wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's just like it's Taras. <laughs> um, uh, no, I'm curious about. Okay, so I want to go back to the story a little bit. Yeah. So you okay? So you found this out through your found friend this out through an article, and and you felt immediately. Uh, you were like, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna think about comedy and ways mm-hmm. to move past this. But also, I can't talk about it on stage because I'm in Richmond and yeah. everyone knows him. So I can't be like, so I slept with a pedophile, and yeah. everyone would be like, whoever Who? could she be talking about? Like, what was um? Well, first of all, did you you had just seen him, so you guys were in contact. Would yeah. you contact him again after that at all? Absol- or no, did he, no. Okay. It, it, well, that was the other weird thing, and I, and I feel weird acknowledging this, but like. You know, like learning about the fact that he's a predator, that he's a pedophile, was learning that he was a different person than I had constructed him as in my head. But then also, like, it meant that that meant that the person that I was friends with, I mean, like, obviously people are more than one thing and the person I was friends with Mm. exists within this thing. But finding out that they're like what I consider to be a literal monster and then they completely disappear from your life. Like, I also was like mourning this friendship with someone who I now have a lot of hatred for but I also miss my friend that I had before I learned that and so like it's simultaneously like there was a solid two weeks where I was just like I fucking hate him I'm so fucking pissed and I I like wish I could crawl out of my skin Mm -hmm. because when I think of like you know six degrees to pedophilia like just um like just trying to deal with that yeah. and like, but then after a couple of weeks it did start to set in where I was like, you know, he was someone I texted a lot. He was, he was my friend. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't want to say I missed a pedophile, but like <laughs> I missed my friend. You missed the friend that he was pretending to be. I mean, I think that's, yeah. that's what people don't, I think it's so easy from very, very outside to just be like, mm-hmm. cut off all contact. Don't be friends with this person. But, um, what you did do, but I mean like there, it's also okay to have feelings where you're like, yeah. oh, I to have be some fair, good it memories. Was, it, it was way easier to cut off contact in this case. Than oh, sure. Sure. Cases. All uh, I had to do was not try to visit him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. He's in jail and he can't contact you, but mm-hmm. it is, um, yeah. Like I think, uh, I, the, the whole like psychopath, like people f- fooling you the way I try to like, cause I've encountered people like this and the way that I, try to get myself out of it is like you said i think of them as two different people i think mm-hmm. there was a thing person that i saw the person that i loved or the person that was my friend and the person that a lot of people also believed mm-hmm. and then once you find the real them you're like cool they lied to me and they lied yeah. to everyone so yep. it's not I, my fault for falling for it it's oh, not like absolutely and i i i i i, I didn't deal with that 
Like I, 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 I wasn't super hard on myself for falling for that, but I do have trouble separating it because in my head yeah, I'm like you see them and yeah, that's who they are yeah and I, and I and that's not to make any excuse it's just to say I was friends with someone who was all these things that I liked yeah. and was also a monster and if I had yeah. known the latter I wouldn't have been okay <sighs> with the like the former wouldn't have made the latter okay sure but um I there's there's something in my in my the makeup of my that brain that, hard, that yeah. makes it like where I'm like now I have to acknowledge that like this person I have to grapple with the fact that this person I liked was that person I liked they were just also something yes else. it's yeah. similar to I, I eventually uh, this is a non sequitur but um, uh-huh. I definitely um, fall under the belief of a cab all cops are bastards <sighs> and I've gotten to an argument with a friend about it where they were like well and I was like no like I like and. Uh, they listed examples of like, well, you know, I know someone who's like a good dad or good boy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be more than uh, yes, one thing. Okay. But if you're a cop, one of the things you are is a bastard. Yeah, if <laughs> like, you're a murderer and you just killed one person, but then you're like helping an old lady across the street and you do nice things, like you yeah, are still a one murder is enough to make you a murderer. Yeah, yeah and those yeah. things don't balance each other out. And I'm yes. not trying to, I'm not trying to humanize or, no, but it's okay or, to because or that's, pardon him. I yeah. more am just trying to acknowledge for myself the full complexity and sure. nuance of the issue because I, I have trouble erasing like yeah. all of that was fake. I, have, I feel like that erases that oh, uh, yes. you don't relationship want, yeah. I had with that person. Yeah, you don't have to... Um, well, that's the th- like I okay. I'll, I've had uh, like because you, it was intimate. I think mm-hmm. it's also very like different I don't think when, he catfished me, right? Like, like he wasn't f- lying. I mean, he was, but he well. He also, was with, it's like he was withholding a yes. very important thing that would have massively changed. Like, you know, well, because what would you have done if he had told you? Like that also would have been a tricky situation. I mean, you obviously you've yeah. been like no, but like if I someone mean, yeah. was like, I trust you, and I need to tell you the secret. Like mm-hmm. that's also it's almost I, like the best case scenario was to find out. Yeah. In a very indirect way. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that would have been worse. Um, that being said, I would, I mean, I would have been like, sorry, no. There sorry, are some lines that <laughs> I think it's buddy, like. Sorry, buddy, that's bad enough for me to yeah. interact with cops. And like I just said, I it's think crazy. all cops are bastards. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, uh, I feel like there's this feeling that I've had with like uh, going back and looking at relationships I've had with people who turned out to be predators. Um it's that there are still these like moments that I had that were good. And they, and I, even if I go back and I try to be like, this person's a bad person, maybe they were, but like, it doesn't actually change. Like the memory itself. I'm like, but I really want this memory. Like sometimes I feel like I'm like going through a suitcase and be like, I really want this memory to live in my head because it was like, maybe like the first time I, you know, went to my friend's wedding and took a date that was someone I was dating. And I'm like, well, I still want that memory. And And I think it's okay to have that. I think that, I think the line where that gets weird is when the people who are like, but I want this memory suddenly become like, then that means I can't accept that this person was awful. Yes, I, and yeah. then they, they become rape apologists. Yes. And um, that I'm not for, for the record. I, when that happens, I mm-hmm. usually cut off the per- predator, but I sometimes will look back and be like, do I need to be like, I need to erase all these years of my life. And no, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, no, because I fell for this person mm-hmm. in the way that they wanted mm-hmm. to present. And uh, now I know the truth. I've yeah. made my decision based on the new information. And, and also you know? in a lot of instances, I've, I have another um, person who I will leave anonymous um, mm-hmm. where we had a, a thing occur between the two of us mm. that um, was real, real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being said, I still have a relationship with him. It's way less than mm. it was before. Um, and we're way less in touch, but that being Mm -hmm. said, I often find myself in scenarios and this is a a decision I make for myself, for people who are just like, I can't, and I want nothing to do with you. I get it. I get that. And that's totally fair and valid. But sometimes my reaction is like, well, this is someone who lets me challenge them Mm -hmm. and how will it make the situation better for me to remove my voice from the situation? Sure, like how, how, how does removing someone who challenges this person on their worldview make yeah. them better and therefore make the area around them better? Like there's yeah. obviously certain lines where you just can't, yeah. uh, where, where like there's, there's, there's things where I just can't affiliate with people and I, and, and that's for my own self-preservation, uh-huh. but with this particular friend and with what happened, um, between the two of us, 
I'm in a position where I'm comfortable saying like, yeah, we're never going to be as close as we were. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I don't have to like, like try to blacklist this person. Yeah. Like for, for me, like, and, and, all, and also a big part of that is because, uh, one of the ways in which he handled it, he didn't understand how, what he did hurt me mm. as much as it did. And there was like two weeks where I was very like, I can't really talk to you right now, but we were both, it was a, a comic. And there were two weeks later, or like two, a week or two later, he came up to me and he didn't understand, but he did say, mm. like he did come up to me and was like, hey, so I still don't really understand, but I can tell that I hurt you mm. and I don't want to have hurt you. Mm. And like, you know, he appealed to you know, being willing to like, you know, quote unquote, trying, lose an yeah. argument, like basically willing to say like, I don't get this, but yeah. I value the fact that I hurt you over me understanding. He was it. trying to empathize. Yes. Well, I think that's the key is, is the person capable of growth? And it all, it's never any, but it's always a, everybody's right to like cut someone off no matter how, you know, small the grievance for sure. But like, let's say you're in a situation where you want to um, have a relationship I think the key is like is this person capable of growth do they want to change and like if there is an ability there like if they're mm -hmm. not like you know there are some like cluster B psychopaths that like don't have empathy and if yeah. they if they seem to exhibit those signs I would say like those in those situations mm -hmm. it's no contact tends to be the best frame of Absolutely. Or best route, but like if if they have a capacity of growth and you think that you value parts of their life, yeah, people mm -hmm. are complicated. It's worth yeah. trying trying it out. Absolutely, and also like I I I, I want to be clear for anyone who might be listening to this that that stance that I have for myself does not spread to like you know I I'm I'm not I'm not trying to say like you should <laughs> always try to fix people. No, if someone <laughs> if someone betrays your fucking trust and you're like I can't pe I, I can't do this. Peace out later. Yeah. Like, that that's okay that's okay. for sure that's yeah. okay that was just with the way my yeah. brain works or my like you know that, that that's what i was comfortable with i think it comes situation. down this is why i feel like it is so important to have an open conversation and to look at patterns because i think on the media like with cancel culture sometimes you get someone who's like years ago they maybe like, like obviously nothing like pedophilia but let's say mm. there was like oh this maybe was questionable and then they actually tried to grow and change and they did and then mm. there are sometimes like friends of theirs that will stick up for them and they'll be like yes we've talked about this and i've seen they've grown i feel like a lot of like the internet will be like cancel the friend instead of yeah. focusing on the person because they're like you're yeah. enabling well, well like uh two examples of people who i feel like have grown very well are um like there's a in, in in her new hour right now, Bamford has a uh -huh. bit about uh, having written an article that uh, dealt with things regarding trans stuff that she had mm. no understanding of and how people like, you know, were like, hey, yeah. this is fucked up. And that she then uh, like the bit is about having to learn about that. And I yeah. think she did very well and like addressed it and, and like acknowledges like I had no fucking clue what I was saying. Yeah. And not that that's like a cop out, but like she she owns it. She took accountability yes. And owns it. Or, or similarly, and I'm just speaking to the things that I, I... I'm just speaking to people about trans stuff because sure. that's what I personally feel I am capable of speaking to. Um, well, and it's important for you to talk about it because it's like, if nobody talked about them, Maria maybe like at that especially at that point she wouldn't mm -hmm. even realize that she yeah, said it you know absolutely and like and i i honestly didn't even know she wrote that article i just knew yeah the, i, I, I feel it up i don't i remember just this. knew the bit um yeah. uh, i i just saw her do a bit about having written <laughs> a, a comedic article or whatever um and uh but then there is uh, a couple of years ago or several years ago there's like a sarah silverman sketch okay that went out where the the joke what it was like maybe like 2014 or something um what a different time. pre caitlin jenner um <laughs> but uh people the the joke was about the bit was about the wage gap okay. and the joke was i'll just get like a sex change heavier quotes um mm. and you know afterwards people were like hey this is like pretty like shitty towards trans men mm -hmm. and like her like public response was not what i see so many comics put out where they're just like god don't people get jokes or blah blah no mm -hmm. her response was like oh shit fuck, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I want to be clear. This did not come from a place of malice. This com came completely from a place of ignorance. I hadn't even considered that, which makes sense because in 2014, people were starting to learn about trans people, but people only ever paid attention to trans women. No yeah. one paid attention to trans men. And just as a comedian, it wasn't even on, on, like, it wasn't even in the zeitgeist to be conscious of, like, how 
uh, you're speaking to communities at all. Like, exactly. Yeah. And which like, doesn't I, mean it's right. It's just I, that's the landscape that was. Yeah. And, there. It, and it's just accepting that people are flawed and no one can have a perfect track record. And yeah. I think in a lot of instances, it is people's reactions and making sure that it's not a cop out reaction. Yeah. Because, you know, when people put out fucking non apologies <laughs> and aren't willing <sighs> to acknowledge wrongdoing and like yeah. aren't uh, or think that just acknowledging wrongdoing means that they shouldn't have any, <laughs> uh, you know, any backlash. Any it's, backlash yeah. from it. It's like, yeah, oh, that's the funniest when people are like, I already said I'm sorry. Why are you still bullying me? It's like, the fact you, that you would call it people bullying me. you have to deal me, yeah. with this shit it's, until it blows yeah, over. It's and victim you just mentality. Have to it it's like, I mean, I see that a lot in a lot of yeah. performers because I'm, I think this industry draws a lot of people who are, you know, I don't want to say are narcissists, may have narcissistic tendencies and to think of yourself as anything but the greatest or um, capable of hurting others, like anything like that is hard. So that victim mentality comes up a lot where, mm-hmm. where people are like, like, why are you vilifying me? I already said I'm sorry. It's like, well, you can say you're sorry, but it's not anybody's right to forgive you. Mm-hmm. If you truly are sorry, you just have to be like, I'm sorry. And I will keep trying to yeah, grow you, and, you and then ha- just you, let it go. Don't yeah. force anyone to forgive you. <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where you just have to accept that there's going to be people who are upset with you about that. Yeah. And I feel like it's really weird that people can't live with the idea of someone else being upset. <laughs> when, whenever someone can't live with the idea of people being upset with them, it makes me realize I'm like, Oh, you, <sighs> it, 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 I'm like, Oh, you've never had to deal with someone disliking you inherently for something you can't control. Mm. Like, cause it's almost always, straight white people sure yeah they're um, like i don't get it why like yeah that complaint of like oh it's hard for us now which yeah, i joke about like, but i'm like oh, people, people say that with, yeah and like <laughs> it's like oh you clearly have never walked on stage and had an audience member refuse to look at you oh no yeah, which happened to me recently uh, i'm sorry <laughs> it's that's, fine um i mean is, it's yeah. not fine but it uh, well the, but I, what you're saying is like you have these experiences that have taught you how to like cope with yeah, with bad up. experiences and it's not that they should be happening at all to anyone, but mm. y- you're you're more able to like empathize with someone because yeah. of that. And when you see someone who just like can't handle the idea of anyone ever being upset with them, it's like, <laughs> oh, you've never had someone be irrationally or unjustifiably upset with you in a way that you have no control over. Like you, yeah. you and you just have to accept it. Yeah. Um Ugh. and yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a lot. I feel like we really covered a lot. Yeah. Um, I think we've uh, solved a lot of social we've issues. We've solved pedophilia. Pedo, what do you, no, I'm t- we didn't. And I'm glad. That, so that guy's in jail. That guy's and, and in jail. Um, uh, was there anything in the story we missed that you wanted um, to mention? Let me think for just a moment. Um, there is that. Well, a thing that I, a, a tangent that I started and didn't wrap up was just the fact that, like, um, I. I was already like in a mm-hmm. place when, when I started sleeping with him, I was already in a place where I was like, you know, it's possible that I would find a dude I'd be comfortable sleeping with, but very unlikely. Cause there's uh-huh. so many hoops they would have to jump through and I'm not exactly putting out what straight dudes are like looking for. So like, they're not banging my door down. It's just probably not going to happen. And then there was this guy who I had known for years. Uh-huh. I was friends with him. I trusted him. I always knew he was like kind of into me, but not in a way where he was fetishizing my transness. Uh-huh. Uh, I now realize he was fetishizing the fact that I was young, uh, <laughs> no. 14 years younger than him. Oh, no. um, I was an adult, but I was 14 years younger than him. And like, uh, but like I, there were, there were all these things and you know, he had like demonstrated like compassion and understanding mm-hmm. with me. And so like in my mind, he had jumped through all these hoops that made me comfortable around cis men. And then that happened. And so now <sighs> I'm just like, great. Do I need to know someone for a decade? Like I just, I, <sighs> like, it's one of those things where it's like every now and then when I say on stage that I don't fuck around with cis men, <sighs> I, I hear, I feel people. <laughs> cis men pull back because they're like bah, 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 huh. and I'm like well because I tried but we should have everything I, I feel like I really gave it the college go yeah uh, and the one I ended up choosing <laughs> ended up or like being like this is a good one was a monster <laughs> like um, and so yeah uh, I think that well that's why I have like they're predators that's the thing yeah, it's never predators. about like you know hopefully they don't ruin your worldview. I mean they're always going to make Unfortunately, some innocence does get lost when you encounter a predator, but yeah. it does not always have to be negative on your life mm-hmm. um, because they're preying. That's the thing. Yeah, they're, preying they're preying on preying. you. They you don't have to like hate anybody. They are predators. That's it's yeah. like, the, you know, that's their MO is to hurt others. So. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, well, I'm sorry you went through that. And do you feel better having gotten that off your chest? I think so. And I think in the next, uh, like, week before this comes out, I'm just going to be thinking about... Uh, <sighs> Because I'm, you know, I'm going. No, nobody I'm, I'm, knows. I'm going to post this episode, which means Richmond people. I mean, who knows if they listen to anything I post? Well, but. is there anything you want to say, like, kind of a summary? Uh, if you, well, would there be anything you want to say to this person? It's okay um, if you don't, but. No. What I about think, to I, your I, friends I who think, knew I think, you? I think I've kind of already written him off as okay. dead to me. Um, friend, friends, friends who, who knew you but didn't know and, you were going through this and knew him. Um. I think just, uh, I mean, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, Richmond Comics, text me if you, if you suspected this. <laughs> That's what I want to know. Yes. I want to know if anyone. Spill the tea. Who else has tea? How, who thought that? <laughs> text me. Facebook message me. Richmond Comics specifically. <laughs> you want to no know how else. good your acting oh, skills were. Yeah, we get know. it. You're in LA now. It's all about how you got to watch a tape. You got to know. <laughs> yeah. All those new trans roles. <laughs> Whenever, whenever I've been at like a festival or something, and there's like some an industry person talking, uh, they'll just be like, "And there's so many more roles for trans people now." And I'm like, "Are there? Uh, I mean, I mean, yes, there are more, mm, but like, there's a there, yes, there's uh, a there's a self congratulatory stance from the industry about how they've they've mm, finally learned how to like uh, cast and write for trans people, and And they feel like now everything's fixed, which is not. We're great (laughs) at it now. I mean, I, I say that as someone who's not an actor. I am very much a comic, and uh, I give it one more year in LA. Yeah, fair. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, it's one of those things where if someone, if I, I'm not, I'm not willing to audition. Uh-huh. I mean, if like a friend of mine made a thing and they were like, "Do you want to do this?" Challenge like, accepted. No, I'd just be like, oh. "Yeah, sure," but um, I, it would have to fall into my lap. Gotcha. It's okay, so you want things handed to you? Noted. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're a cis white too. No, I'm just um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing that. I actually, so I have a game. Do you feel up for like a, a game? I'm so down we can for end a game. on the same. I'm okay, down for a game. this is kind of a general game. Let's I didn't know where your confession was going. Yeah, shake off the pedophilia. <laughs> this game Ever, is. Anyone listening to this, feel free to pause for a moment. Just shake off the pedophilia. We'll we'll put a content warning in. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> I, I yeah I uh, yeah this is gonna. Be a, f- a game that has nothing to do with pedophiles <laughs> or predators. Just a little game. Uh, I it's based off of Ask Reddit. Um, this title is. <laughs> let me see if I can say this. Adita Kato Sotika, which stands for "All day I think about questions that only strangers on the internet can answer." Okay. Which is not. A, I just made that up. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> I like to write ridiculous titles. Reddit's like the city bus. You get on it because you think you know where you're going, but you're never sure when it's time to get off and you always spend more time on it than you want to. But most of all, it's full of strangers asking you questions. Mm -hmm. There's a popular subreddit called Ask Reddit. It's full of questions from all the corners of the internet. So today we're going to play a game to see what folks have answered to questions posed by other Redditors. Basically, I'm going to read... I'll read the um, title of the topic, which is the question that was posed. And, you know, people answer these questions in their own ways. And I'll read one of the answers, but it's going to have some blanks. And through multiple choice, you just have to guess what those blanks were. What what they said or what I think they should say. So, for example, if I'm like, uh, if the question is, what am I drinking? And the answer was like, it's a bottle of blank. Uh, The answer is Perrier, which is what I'm drinking right now. There we go. Cool. And it's multiple choice. Okay. Gotcha. Or I mean, not gotcha. Got it? Got it. (laughs) Great. Okay. Number one, this is the question. Waiters slash waitresses, what is the worst first date you've witnessed? And here is the answer. Um, A couple of years ago, I was tending bar at a high-end steak joint. Pretty brunette walked in and sat down at the bar. After fixing her a cocktail, I asked if she'd like to see a dinner menu. She explained she was waiting for a date. A few moments later, the guy arrived carrying a large bag. Um, Their conversation was lurching, lurching from force to downright painful when he reached into the bag and pulled out... An album containing what? A, pictures he drew of her. B, his Pokemon card collection. Or C, newspaper clippings about the accident he was in before he lost his memory. <laughs> Pokemon seems most realistic. <laughs> I would not be shocked. Well, because also, I, I, growing up, I had one of those binders. An album? Oh, yeah. I had it one was, for Sailor Moon card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had it for Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. You are correct. Uh, the rest of it, the confession was he set the book down on the bar and thumbed through each page thoroughly and lovingly describing every card, attempting to educate his date in the ways of Japanese pocket uh. monsters. 
I'll be fair to the guy. Dude was passionate. She feigned an emergency, called her friend uh, and to pick her up. He stayed and ate a plain hamburger at the bar. I'm so sorry, guy. You know what? It sounds like there is... I mean, people like that, I, there's some, put that put that out there because one of these days you're going to pull out that album and the person sitting across I, from you is going to be like, me fucking too. I, I used to date a girl <laughs> who was a competitive competitive Pokemon card oh game Oh my player. gosh, I don't even know what that means. Competitive? I didn't know it was a competition. Well, there's like, well, there, well so there's the collection element, which I think is what most people <laughs> engaged in with it. But there are like, there is a card game. Okay, it's like can, Magic, the Gathering. Do, yeah, like Magic mm. or Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, you can you can play a card game with it, and so there are like tournaments uh-huh. and like game stores. Wow, well, I'm sure he found his soulmate. Um, number two, <laughs> true, yeah, he was looking the wrong place. Mm-hmm. This is the question: What is your guess? I can't go into that store ever again. Story. This one's shorter. That one's the longest one. Okay, here's the answer: Decided to get a haircut whilst having a cold. Blank and blank at the same time. These are verbs. Like I blanked and blanked at the same time. Never went back. Was right. it? A got, got a haircut while getting a cold. While having a cold, and then uh, blanked and blanked at the same time. Never went back. Was it A? Oh, you have a hand raised. You have yeah. a guess. Oh. My guess is sneeze and farted. I'm gonna give that to you because that is the answer. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, they had a cold. It was foreshadowed. But it could have I studied been... screenwriting. Okay. Well, you know, you got it right. It was sneeze and farted. The other answers were pissed and pooped, uh, or was you reunited with my estranged father and fell in love with him. So you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing at this. Okay. No, I didn't even need the answer. I know. Wow. I. You know, what? why do I write these? This shows multiple how, how much of a problem I've had growing up where I interrupt people that I've learned. Uh-huh. No, I liked it. And it paid off. So final question for the win. Tattoo artist, what's the worst tattoo someone has asked you to do that you've refused? Uh, here's the answer. My buddy said a dude asked him to draw blank in for him because he couldn't grow them. Do you want to guess before I read the choices? Um, I'm going to use a whimsical... It's either facial hair or pubes. Mm-hmm. It's some form of whiskers. Mm-hmm. Arm hair. Well, the uh, the multiple choice is A, armpit hair, B, pubes, or C, two more nipples. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to go with <laughs> pubes. You are correct. Wow, you're so good at this game. You win this game. You win this episode. Um, <laughs> thank you for being here. Um, is thank there? Uh, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at Mary Jane French. There's also a... Um, ghost town of a facebook fan page that you can like and maybe if more people started liking it i would start posting things there um but uh yeah mostly instagram at mary jane french and then also uh circling back to fems the rules there's a fems the rules instagram if you (gasps) live in la uh it's just at fems the rules or maybe it's at fems the rules comedy it's you'll you'll (laughs) you'll see it um and uh yeah when this comes out our first show will have just happened but follow that instagram so that you can see uh, when future shows are happening and you are on the next one yes. after this one comes out, you're on the second one. And so it'll be a grand old time. Good old show. I promise not to bring up pedophilia. <laughs> I can't promise that. Um, I can't <laughs> wait for the show. Follow Mary Jane and follow her to find out where else she's performing around LA. And you can follow me at Larissa T and this podcast at tell me anything pod. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.